Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Oh, yeah, a microphone would help here. Hang on. Hi. How you doing? My God, this week's gone fast. That's what happens when you're uh, you're actively engaged in life. Uh, it's the 8th of June, 2018, two days away from what I hope will be a very large rally in support of Rob Rogers and more than that. I keep thinking of Rob as the canary in the coal mine, just another canary in the coal mine. Uh, of what we are losing in this country. You know, add Rob Rogers to the list of uh, of our country's dignity, <laughs> of of so much. And I think if you were to trace the anxiety and even depression that so many Americans are struggling with now, it can be traced to loss, a sense of great loss. And when it's happening on this huge national and international scale, the kind of stuff we talk about on a regular basis, a feeling of powerlessness is, is you know, a pretty realistic kind of a reaction, I think. But when it's happening in your own little hometown, when it's happening in your own backyard, when it's happening to a newspaper that had been there for you for generations, when it's happening to a voice, Rob Rogers, a unique voice, that you've come to love. Sometimes you get irritated, but when you love, you often get irritated. There have been many Rob's cartoons that have pissed me off. I love him. I love his work. I appreciate his work. And now he is just one more thing that is being taken away. And because it's here, right here, you're feeling the loss in your own home as you open your paper. It's so real. It's so immediate. It's not something way out there. It's Rob Rogers who sat right here yesterday. And so this is something that to just sit around whining, moaning, sighing, hand-wringing, then you're part of the problem. The only way that all of this bad crap keeps happening is if we do nothing. And that means do nothing more than whine. 
All I'm asking is that this Sunday, you do more than that, this time. I mean, if you've ever, I mean, I, let's just put it this way, I will be mortified if, you know, three people show up. (laughs) Come on, guys, I need, I need you to be my soldiers here. I need you to, each one of you, to get others aware. There will be press releases sent out to every news organization today. There will be uh, statements sent out to every person in my life. I want you to do the same. And it's going to be a crowded day downtown because you've got the Pride March, you've got the Three Rivers Arts Festival, the very kind of thing that people say, oh, God, forget it. Where would I park? I don't. Take an Uber. (laughs) Take the subway. Take a bus. Walk. Bicycle. Do anything you have to do. Even if it's a pain in the neck. And be there. 11 o'clock Sunday morning. This Sunday. We're talking about June 10th, two days from now, two days from now and actually 49 hours from now. Is that what we're talking about? 49 hours from now. Be there. We've made up big poster boards of the censored cartoons, some of them. We'll hand them out so that you can hold them. Uh, I hate these things where people just talk and talk and talk. So I've asked everybody that we have asked to speak to be no more than than five, six minutes at the most. This will be less than an hour unless something happens that I'm not aware of. Um, we're not asking much. And then when it's done, you can go, if you want, join the Pride Parade or go over to the Three Rivers Arts Festival. We'll be literally across the street. And uh, enjoy that. If it's raining, bring an umbrella or a poncho. Don't let anything stop you. That's all I'm saying. And please, if you are unable to, just Get the word out. I thank you. Actually, uh, Roger has sent me a letter that he wrote to the Post-Gazette. By the way, uh, they're very specific about how to send a letter and who to send it to. You send it to... uh, letters at postgazette.com and you include your name, your phone number, your address so they can, you know, make sure. You, but I, in some respects, it doesn't matter <laughs> because they're simply not, pr- today, again, not a letter. 
And um, we do know on good authority, because as you know, I have friends within the organization, um, there have been hundreds of letters. And stop and think about that. What is a letters to the editor page? It's our page in the paper. Think of the fact that many of you, and certainly I, have been a subscriber for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, whatever. And then we finally feel something really strongly and we send it to them and say, hey, give me for the first time a little space here. I need to say, say this. And they're tossing them. So they're not only censoring Rob Rogers, they're censoring their own readers. They're censoring their own subscribers. It's unbelievable. Anyway, here's what Roger wrote that you won't be reading in the paper. I haven't read it myself, I just, I just saw it. My wife and I have been subscribers of the Post-Gazette since we moved to Pittsburgh in 1994. Over the past 24 years, we have seen and understood understood the significant changes the Post-Gazette and other newspapers have had to make due to electronic media competition, smaller paper, less content, no deliveries on holidays, etc. But there has been a significant shift in your editorial section, much more politically conservative viewpoints. Columns by the editorial staff as well as outside contributors uh, praising our current president despite his erratic behavior and decision-making, makes one wonder as to intentions of the Post-Gazette's new ownership. With the disappearance of cartoonist Rob Rogers, the intent seems obvious. Why else is one of our local treasures, Mr. Rogers, an award-winning, nationally respected editorial cartoonist sitting on the bench? It will be difficult, but I am prepared to cancel our subscription after 24 years of Loyal, loyal loyalty of what used to be a very good journalistic publication. But this is the tip of a more concerning problem. I'm worried, Mr. Burris. Charlie Deitch was fired from City Paper. Now Rob Rogers is out of sight. It seems that the consolidation of local printed media is conspiring in promoting a conservative agenda and shutting down any dissent to this conservative ideology. And this to our current president calling out all criticism by media as fake news. One with any interest in history can easily make comparisons to what happened in Europe in the 1930s. If the Post-Gazette continues in this manner, I can see Pittsburghers who overwhelmingly vote Democratic and despise President Trump's actions and decorum ask sponsors to stop all support of the Post-Gazette. The ball is now in the Post-Gazette ownership's court to turn itself around or continue to laughably call itself one of America's great newspapers. I'm not laughing. And it's signed by Roger. I think that's a marvelous letter. Thank you for sharing it with us. <laughs> And it's just uh, been disseminated as much as it's uh, probably going to be.
Okay. I have to admit, I, uh, I'm having trouble juggling all the balls I'm juggling right now, so I feel a little less tuned in to the news. I did see the big breaking story of the suicide of Anthony Bourdain, which is a shocker. Uh, and coming uh, on the heels of the suicide of another high-profile, successful and high-profile person, uh, the, the handbag designer, Kate Spade, uh, it, it makes you wonder. I think I was talking the other day about how I know money and success are not the things that really bring people happiness because there are a lot of people who are not movers and shakers and top dogs and belong to the best clubs and have the blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. There are millions of people like that who are very happy. <laughs> so happiness is not something that comes with wealth and power and even success. And I know that always seems sort of astonishing. But our happiness is often predicated on human relationships, on our mental health, on things that are, you know, available to most, but not to all. And strangely, with these two very high-profile suicides, both young, I mean, to me, because I'm old, uh, but I think both were the same age, weren't they? They're 61 years old. I mean, that's, at 61, you're, you got to figure, you got a few decades or more uh, in front of you. Um, and strangely, there was a, um, a study that came out. I swear I have it here somewhere. Of course I don't. I am so disorganized. About uh, suicide and the, the fact that it is climbing uh, the suicide rate in this country. Uh, in the last, say, 20 years, about, it's increased 25%. That's according to this study by the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, and last year, there were more than twice as many suicides as homicides. Now think about that, because we're a pretty murderous country. <laughs> Twice as many people died at their own hand than were killed by others. This new analysis by the CDC found that nearly 45,000 Americans died by their own hand in 2016, which is, the, you know, that's the, the 2017 numbers aren't in. Those are the last numbers we got. 45,000. And 
it's weird that, you know, they, it's way up in some states, way, way up in some states, and I hate to tell you, we're one of them. Uh, they printed a, a, a map uh, with various colors on the states, and a, a, a bright red showed, uh, I think, 30-some or more percent Uh Increase and Pennsylvania's in there. North Dakota, jeez, fifty-seven percent increase. And you know, the, uh, experts are sort of you know they're they're scratching their heads. They're not quite you know how what what can change in a in, you know in a few years. Well, we can look around. As I said, just beginning the show, depression and anxiety are seemingly part and parcel of life now uh, in the United States of America. And if somebody is not quite equipped to deal with an increase in feelings of helplessness, depression, anxiety, I guess it makes sense that, you know, people can be pushed over the edge. And obviously this has to do uh, with this country's lack of mental health treatment, which is, which shows uh, how hopelessly ignorant our policymakers are our government is that we don't see this if if more people are being killed this way than by homicide and also i have to tell you one of the one of the things that uh puts risk of suicide way up is having a gun in the house okay so that's part that should be part of the gun debate as well. All of these people who've been brainwashed to think that I'm safe, I got a gun, simply refuse to acknowledge that their risk of being killed by that gun, either by their own hand or by someone in the house getting hold of that gun, makes them much more vulnerable. But you can't get that through people's heads because it's counterintuitive to them. I got a gun, I'm safe. Don't you be troubling me with facts. We understand now that a lot of people do not like being troubled with facts. So the, the biggies are lack of mental health treatment, drug and alcohol abuse, and gun, show, gun ownership. And, you know, people have private demons. Oh, drug and alcohol abuse, that's another biggie, too. And often, people who abuse drugs and alcohol are simply trying to tamp down those demons. So, 
So, I don't know. I didn't mention anything the other day about Trump's latest pardon. Um, uh, finally, a person who was not a celebrity or someone the president didn't actually know, and that was this uh, Alice Marie Johnson, 63-year-old woman who was serving a life sentence without parole for uh, being part of a, a drug-running operation. And the drug was co- uh, was it was cocaine, I guess, cocaine distribution, crack. Anyway, she'd been in jail since 1996, over 20 years, and um, somehow her her case got went viral, and uh, Kim Kardashian for some reason, glommed onto it and uh, went to the president, and that's how he found out about her. I guess what uh, drives me crazy, I'm very happy for this woman. Do you know how many tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, I really don't know, of people in this country are in the same boat, sitting in jail for a nonviolent crime, serving life sentences without any hope of parole because of our outrageous drug laws. And the overpopulation of our prisons is such an American shame. I mean, we have so much shame to be dealing with. But this is one which I feel some hope for because I think people, even people on both sides, conservatives for some different reasons and liberals for others, are actually in some cases working together to stop this craziness, this insanity. We can't throw everybody in jail forever. And the cost to the country of doing this, and I'm not just talking about financial costs, I'm talking about children left without parents, I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about families broken apart, I'm talking uh, the emotional cost on people caught in this system and all the people who care about them or rely on them. And what's so maddening about this pardon by this maddening president is what is it what is the point what's his statement that he found this to be some kind of egregious uh sentence he's the president of the united states he has power he could tell the republicans his party that own the Congress, that he wants to put an end to these draconian sentences. <coughs> and he could issue a, it's what Obama tried to do on his way out. Remember, he was pardoning 
whole bunches of not famous people. People in this same boat that this same woman is in. But that would be a serious effort to do the right thing. And he's not into serious, as we know. He's into photo op. He's into it. I'm sitting here with my pen. Oh, what a good boy am I. That's the kind of thing he is. He's not serious about attacking the problem. Yeah. And and let's talk about um, the problem a little bit. You know, I've been seeing increasingly that people are waking up in terms of the power of the ballot. Um, that one of the most powerful positions in any in any county or city, if it works that way, is the position of district attorney. It is the DA who decides what the priorities are. It is the DA and his assistant DAs, the prosecutors who go to court and who demand a judge, you know, hand down some, you know, life without parole. We have seen, and I remember sharing with you back in March, that when a district attorney realizes that they have the power to help stem the flow of this insane mass incarceration that this country has been doing for decades now. They elected in Philadelphia a district attorney who immediately got to work and started turning things around, who told the assistant DAs, the prosecutors, everybody under him, the guys on the street, don't even bother bringing cases about somebody selling somebody an ounce of pot. I'm not even, we're not prosecuting that crap anymore. Don't bring me this. Don't, at, if you're going to ask for a sentence of 20 years, I want you to tell the court when you're asking how much that's going to cost the taxpayers as opposed to a lighter sentence and then a measure of rehabilitative. And this guy just set it all down. So here we have Stephen Zappala. I don't know. I know him somewhat personally and uh, he's a nice guy. His wife was a regular listener to this show. Um, I think he's got a pretty good heart. And we could have a lot worse. He ain't the best, I don't know. But he is in a position to be pressured to do more. To do what his Philadelphia counterpart has done. 
The ACLU, which you know I am affiliated with, has at the top of its agenda to literally cut in half the nation's prison population. And we're not looking at 20 by 2050. No, we're looking in the next very foreseeable future. Cut it in half. And you know how you cut it in half? You stop imprisoning people because they're poor. You stop the kind of draconian sentencing that has people rotting in prison. Right? And because people are rotting in prison, they're aging in prison. They're dying in prison. Prisons now have actual hospice units. Did you know that? Prisons now are like nursing homes. They've got people in wheelchairs and people who are sick as dogs from old age, from other things. And that's not where they belong. And never mind the cost of this. It's beyond belief. So, as with lending your voice to the, in a real way to the outrage of the censorship going on at the Post-Gazette, this problem of over-incarceration is happening right here. Right here. In every county in the state in every town and city in this state, and it's going to continue until we, the people. Those are powerful three words that should resonate with every American. We, the people, can do something about it if we start seriously taking our responsibilities as a citizen. So, let me just tell you the extent of the problem. Okay, may I? Because this is, do you remember, I mean, I love Charles Dickens' books. And I remember being in high school. And I can't remember which one I was reading. Might have been Bleak House. Might have been David Copperfield. I don't know. And in it, one of the, one of the venues in it that we were the reader was regularly taken into was a prison. And it wasn't a prison like any prison I'd ever heard of because it was a prison where whole families were in prison together. <laughs> they lived in the prison. And they were in the prison because they were poor. That's why. They were in the prison because they were poor and they could not pay someone for something or they could not repay a debt or something like that. And so the geniuses uh, in Victorian England said, all right, throw them in prison. And here's the, always the funny thing. If you throw someone in prison because they can't pay something, a fine or something, well, how the hell are they supposed to pay it if they're sitting in prison? 
Last time I heard, you don't make much money sitting in prison. So that's the problem. Every year, thousands of people in Pennsylvania who simply don't have money end up in jail. Because they don't have a few hundred dollars to pay a fine. You know, don't you ever wonder if you ever get, you know, like a big parking ticket or some kind of a thing and you're blown away by how much they're asking? Do you ever realize that there are people who don't have that money? And you know what happens? when they can't pay those fines. And some of them are traffic tickets. When they don't have the money, some idiot judge throws them in jail. And there's plenty of idiot judges right down the street here that do just that. I think half, about half the population that's in that big Allegheny jail we got on the river are there because they don't have money. They're there. They've never been they've never had a day in court. They haven't just the only day they had in court was a judge telling them you're going to jail because you can't pay me my fine. So they're there. Their crime is lack of money. Now here's what's interesting. Jailing people when they are too poor to pay is illegal in Pennsylvania. And it has been illegal in Pennsylvania for 45 years. Fascinating, huh? So... Someone tell the news guys, this is a story. The judges, the courts, are daily violating the law by putting people in jail because they can't afford to pay. And the truth of the matter is, is that there are some counties in this state, and the ACLU has identified them, The one that sticks out to me is Lebanon County, which is in the east. I happened to drive through it the other day. In some counties, the courts and the court system have essentially become debt collection agencies. (laughs) But debt collection agencies with the power to jail someone for up to six months. Now, the rules of law in this state require judges to ascertain whether or not a, a person, a defendant, can afford to pay them. I mean, it's one thing if I'm standing in front of there, uh, the judge and refusing to pay a $300 fine because I can afford it. 
It's another thing if the person standing in front of the judge is not paying because they don't have $300. They don't even have $15. And it is a judge's responsibility to ascertain whether the person standing in front of them has the ability to pay. And there are hundreds of judges who absolutely flout that rule. Ignore it. Never bother with it. Okay, let's talk about the cost. And again, I'm not talking money here now. What is the cost of a judge violating the law and sending some poor soul to jail? If a, if what I mentioned before, if a per, per, poor person goes to jail... How's that supposed to help him pay? If he or she is sent to jail for, let's say, a week, guess what happens? They lose their minimum wage job or jobs. They lose their jobs because they haven't showed up. If they're in jail and they're not able to go to their job, they can't pay their rent. What if they're the sole breadwinner? They can't pay their rent. What happens then? They get evicted? So a judge sentences somebody who's poor to jail and they end up only not poor but out of work and conceivably even homeless. A person in that kind of situation, guess what also can happen to them? You can lose a, a single mother, loses custody of her children. I'm not making this stuff up. This, it's why when I, dri I drive by that jail every day on my way here, and it chills my soul every day to imagine the people in there. who shouldn't be and to imagine the collateral damage of the lives of their children an infirm parent who might rely on them and that's often what happens the ACLU has done a lot of research on that so if somebody desperately in that situation turns to their family turns to their friends uh, and begs them, please, please give me some money. I have to borrow some money. And in fact, the courts will tell a person, right, you don't have it? Well, get it. And so what ends up happening a lot is that this one person who can't pay ends up getting money from other people who can ill afford to pay as well. And so you end up having perhaps a whole family, extended family's resources drained. The ACLU put out this statement, we have seen dozens of people trapped in a cycle of incarceration that keeps them from holding down a job, paying child support, finishing school, or doing any of the other things that would put them back on their feet. Because every time they have finally found a new job, the court 
immediately hauls them back in to find out why they aren't paying. And if the court then issues an arrest warrant, that warrant can cut off access to life-saving public benefits like food stamps or Medicaid, leaving the debtor with no realistic ability to ever pay the damn court to get rid of that warrant. And they end up over there in the jail. The ACLU, just in the last year, has gone in and represented people stuck in this disastrous mess in a million counties. They've been in Allegheny County, the ACLU, getting people out of this disgusting situation. They've been in Armstrong County, Cambria County, Delaware, Erie, Fayette, Lebanon, Philadelphia counties, Warren counties, the ACLU, and that's why I say join, donate, because who pays for these lawyers that we, the ACLU, send out to try to help these poor people? I'm going to sneeze. No, I've never sneezed on the air. Hang on, a record could have be uh, about to be set. I don't think so. Uh, we have a caller. Caller, go ahead. Hello, Lynn. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, I wanted to ask you: Is these people that get this stuck in jail are they traffic violations or parking tickets? Some some of them are traffic violations. Is it a is it a chronic problem? Traffic violations? No, not necessarily. It is any, you know, a lot of times when you get caught with something, uh, the court says, uh, all right, well, you did this thing, uh, and they, they give them a fine, right, to pay. There are all kinds of fines that get paid for all kinds of things that people end up in the court system for. And... If it's a fine, a poor person cannot pay it. So the very, the very idea of having fines or, hey, let's just imagine bail, okay? Somebody gets charged and they're told, uh, okay, you got to come up with $500 and we'll let you go home, but you got to be back here for a court date on so-and-so. If you can't give us the $500, you are going to sit in jail until your court date. There are a ton of people doing that. Now, you, me, most people I know, they can come up with that bail. For God's sakes, you think rich people spend time in jail ever for that? Look at Weinstein. His bail was set at a million, I think $10 million. So they had to, he had to come up with 10% of that. And he did. One million in cash he gave. So he's now sitting in his fancy dancy, uh, you know, penthouse waiting his court date. Our jail is full of people who can't pay bail. They've not been convicted of a thing. They've just been arrested for something. Arrest is not conviction, as we know. And so the jail is full of people in that situation as well. 
because to me, the common sense thing would do if it was a traffic violation, send them back to driver school. Don't stick them in jail. Or and if it's parking fines, then let them do community service or something to pay them off some way. Of course. I mean, you know, to work it even, but to stick them in jail or prison, I I don't. Yeah, I'm like you. I I I watched this PD live PD the other night and. This guy, two guys, of course, they were black, as usual. And they pulled them over. They, I don't know if they didn't put their turn signal or some bullshit. And then they pulled them out, and they were all right for a while. But then they found one little stone of meth or silent, what the hell. It was like big as an eraser head or something. And I'm thinking, so they both had to go to jail. And I'm thinking, really, for just that? Now, now I'm not promoting drugs or anything, but I'm thinking to myself, you're wasting your time with that bullshit. Yeah. A little stone, like in a pipe. I think they found a pipe. And I am not promoting that stuff. But I thought, what a waste of time. And they're all proud of themselves. They put something. Now, if they were under influence of it, of drugs or alcohol, that's one thing. I don't think they were. They just happened to have that stone. And why did they get to search your car to begin with? The whole thing just is so, it's a bunch of bullshit. You got that that's right. How I feel about it. No, well, you're, yeah, I mean, you're right on the money. Yeah, ha. it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't no, I make sense. I understand if they opened the trunk up and it had pounds of whatever, cocaine or something. <laughs> yeah, okay, you got a drug dealer or something. I mean, that makes sense. But the little rock, come on. And, and I, I have I to tell you, I just... and I have to tell you, a little rock, do you know how easy a little rock is for a for a cop to put in the, or just to take out of his own pocket and say, look what I well, found? that's true, too. Yes, just yeah. saying. Just yep, saying. That happens, too. Yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That, bye. That's our common sense man of the people guy. So, a poor, a poor defendant, by the way, according to our court system, has the right uh, to a court-appointed lawyer, but uh, that, too just like the law, is ignored in a lot of courts. I'm just saying. These are all the kinds of local issues that people are working on. And I know that, as I've said before, a lot of us are feeling so powerless. Do you know what makes you feel better? Acting, doing something, joining the ACLU, volunteering with the ACLU or some other group that is working to end this, finding organizations that help people who are stuck in this insanity. I'm very heartened by an email I just got from Milton. Um, Milton says, I think that the Dickens book you were referring to was Little Dorrit. That's it. Sorry. Yeah, Little Dorrit. And the debtor's prison was called the Marshalsea. Yes. And the book begins with Dorrit leaving the Marshalsea after a mysterious benefactor pays her debt while her father remains as an inmate. Yes. Or possibly, he says, you're thinking of David Copperfield, the character Mr. Micawber, <laughs> a hapless 
good soul, who was constantly trying to devise schemes to stay out of the Marshalsea, where he was a frequent inmate due to his inability to settle past debts. And Milton says, I'm a big Dickens fan. Now, that's something else we have in common, Milton, and I want to meet you. So Milton says, I hope to see you on Sunday. I, I live in Columbus, Ohio, but I'm planning to visit family in Pittsburgh this weekend. I hope to see a lot of your listeners then. At Milton, um, you know what I look like. I don't know what you look like. So you make sure at some point that you introduce yourself to me. Um, I would just love to meet you. Love to meet you. And I cannot thank you enough if you're willing to come from Columbus, Ohio. When a lot of other folks who, you know, could take a bus here and be here downtown in 15 minutes probably won't. God bless you. Okay. Margie's asking, what is with the city paper survey? I don't know. What's with the city paper survey? Uh, Kathleen says, I won't be able to be with you on Sunday. I will be out of town. I'm so grateful to you for organizing it. Maybe something will take shape that allows for us common folk to give voice to our outrage. I hope so. I have told others about the gathering. Thank you very much. When the organizers count attendance, tell them to add me, an old lady who is sick and tired of being pushed around in my own country. Thank you. and th Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, what is that? Someone just brought this in. It's from City Paper. Oh, it's to remind you that Dan Savage is coming to Dan, and you can see him. He's going to be uh, doing his podcast that he, he does, which is called, what's it called? Uh, Savage Love Live, I guess. Um, and uh, live taping of his uh, Sex and Relationship Advice podcast. And he's doing it at the New Hazlet Theater on the north side. The show starts at 7.30, Thursday, June 21. And I'm involved in this as well. This is um, going to benefit a very good charity, AIDS Free Pittsburgh. And uh, the Jewish Healthcare Foundation, which is another extraordinary organization in this town, uh, is, is a prime backer of it as well. And uh, I'll just read what this says. Join Dan for a very special sexy spring extravaganza and get all your sex and relationship questions answered live on stage. Local legend Lynn Cullen. I've become a legend? What does that mean? I mean, uh, Bigfoot's a legend. <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster's a legend. Hey, uh, we'll emcee the event, and Dreams of Hope, uh, which is a wonderful group, uh, will be performing. 
Uh, it uses the power of art to create a welcoming environment for LGBTQ youth. This event is brought to you by AIDS Free Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh City Paper. Thursday, June 21. I have told you about it, but I'll continue to. Right now, I'm not concentrating on this one. I'm concentrating on Sunday, 11 o'clock. Please. I'm begging you. Jeez, I hate to beg, but I am. Um... I want to come. What time is the event? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Come a little early. Uh, I'll probably be down there a little after 10. By the way, one of the speakers will be the former editor of this here publication, <laughs> City Paper, uh, because, well, he has a very personal, uh, you know, he's he's feeling Rob Rogers' pain since he, too, is somebody who has been a voice in Pittsburgh for years, and his voice was silenced uh, just weeks ago, also uh, in a suspiciously political uh, way, um, and also by uh, rich Trump loving owners. Okay. Got to fight back, guys. We'll have no voice. Pretty, You know, it's that classic thing. First they came for... First they came for... And first they came... Yeah, Rob... You know, Charlie Deitch, Rob Rogers. These are people who have been our voice our eyes and our ears, and then our voice. And if all of that is being silenced, who, what is left? Silence. It's really frightening. So our idiot, uh, our fr I'm not calling him an idiot anymore. He's got a strange kind of genius. Our dangerous president is what? On his way to Canada where he will spend the time offending all of our allies, which he's been doing nonstop since he woke up this morning through tweets and such. And he's grousing about even having to go to this G7 thing. And amazingly, one of his tweets today, you know, it used to be the G8. And it was the G8 because Russia was a part of it. And all the other people in the G8 booted Russia out uh, when would that have been? Whenever they went in and annexed the Crimea. Not all that long ago. And actually the United States was the mover and shaker behind that effort, but I do not believe that there were any other members of the group that said, uh, no, I don't support that. So the G8 became the G7. And now our president is arguing that Russia 
needs to be back in. It is hard, seriously, not to think that Donald Trump is the Manchurian president. He represents Russia's point of view. He represents Russia. He argues for Russia. And he harms our allies. I mean, what does it take to be a Manchurian president? Russia interferes in our presidential election in an effort to elect Donald Trump. Donald Trump is elected narrowly, but he's elected. And from the minute he gets in, there's a bromance going between him and the Russians. And now there's a bromance with one of the most evil heads of state in the world, maybe the most evil, who he calls an honorable man, Kim Jong-un, who is going to clean his clock. Trump says, by the way, he doesn't have to prepare for this summit in which he's legitimizing the North Korean government. There's a reason North Korea's never been in a summit. No respectable country would sit down with them, would legitimize them. And just so you know, that while Putin is just so happy he can't see straight. What is Putin's, what does he want? He wants to sow dissension among his enemies. He's got Donald Trump in the White House and Donald Trump's doing the job. I mean, my God. Tell me that's not happening. I just want to let you know before I let you go that while Trump is on the world stage, his government is actively dismantling everything intended to protect us. I just want to, uh, the latest outrage from Scott Pruitt, the most extraordinary grifter of all time, um, it, his EPA, they are now scaling back the way that the government determines the health and safety risks of the most dangerous chemicals being used. These are chemicals that are known to be carcinogenic. Uh, and the EPA has rolled back the way that they, it is decided whether or not those chemicals can be employed in certain ways. And so now... Chemicals that were before 
not allowed are going to be making their way into our waterways. I can, you can't make this up. Here's the headline, EPA eases way it evaluates risk from chemicals. Big win for the industry. This will affect these substances. These substances will now be in our air, in our ground, and in our water. Thank you very much. And oh, damn, I forgot the, the story of the guy who almost got killed by a decapitated snake. That's an amazing story. The snake had been headless for 10 minutes. And the guy, there's a, there's a snake head, and he picked it up to dispose of it, and it glommed onto his hand. And it turns out that that snake head was still not only capable of functioning, but because it knew it was its last moments, it didn't give the guy a normal dose of toxin. It gave the guy everything it had. So he is one very lucky person that he's alive, although he still is suffering from, I think, kidney failure, and he could lose some of the fingers on his hand and all kinds of other stuff. Who the hell knew? Okay. Stay away from snakes. That's all I'm saying. And guys, next time you see me, I'm going to be at the Old Post-Gazette building, which is at 34 Boulevard of the Allies, right there, kitty corner from what used to be the Hilton. What is it now? The Wyndham? I don't know what the hell. That hotel keeps changing. Right down where the Arts Festival is, okay? The end of the Boulevard of the Allies. Uh, that's where we're going to be, 11 o'clock Sunday. Please help me spread the word and help me get the Post-Gazette's attention. We have power. Let's use it. Thank you. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.